But there were uh, at least two more conversations that we'll get your head off the microphone. What do you? I can lean on it. What? No, it can't be good for it. You have a lot of rules right now that I have not it's heard. It's not weird. You're just, you're. I was just listening. My <laughs> get your head off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the next conversation that I wanted us to give our biggest takeaways from were the people who are now leading. Uh, so Nikki and Peppa, who we talked about our conversation with them last time, mm-hmm. their session, they transitioned leadership to a young couple, Archie and Sam. Yeah, so Nikki and Peppa were leading a church HTB simultaneously while they launched Alpha. And when um, they transitioned to lead Alpha full-time, they um, handed the church over to Sam and Archie. Yeah. And so part of the practical reason why we were meeting with them is because we started leading Faith Promise, and they went through a leadership transition, just learning from them a little bit. Uh, but also, I mean, they're they're really at the center of this church planting movement that's already planted 150 churches and doing more. And it's it really, in, the, in a post-Christian culture, they're seeing a lot of salvations, a lot of spiritual momentum, um, just some really cool stuff. And so can I put you on the spot? What was what was your greatest takeaway from the conversation with them? You know, one of the things I loved was Sam shared her testimony about her parents getting saved and oh, what so changed in their home. And so she, um, they lived in kind of like, they were, she had a rougher childhood to begin with and, um, her parents, her dad was in like this really dark place and he just found himself at church. And um, they it wasn't open when he was there, but he just made a decision, I'm going to go back when it's open. And he went and he and her mom got saved and they their, her, her life changed radically. She said all of a sudden there was this peace in our home that she'd never experienced before yeah. and that they were so compassionate and kind. She said all the time, Homeless people were in and out of their home. They were. They always had strippers and prostitutes in and out of their well, they, home. They changed how they lived to like the communal living yes. type deal. Like instead of living in a home on their own, they sold their house yeah. and they moved into this like community type experience. And so that they could pool their yes. resources. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Very like um, Acts two. Acts two church. Yeah. So they lived together. Everything they had, and so she was. She said, "I remember not." Necessarily she didn't really necessarily know how to preach the gospel or to evangelize, but she remembered being a young girl at JL's age, nine years old, sitting on the front stoop with this this woman who's coming out of sex work, and she's telling her, hey, Jesus just loves you so much. Mm-hmm. And I was so challenged because I'm looking at Sam as a grown woman who has her children who are now getting ready to go off to university and um, and in high school. And she wasn't damaged by being around lost people, Mm -hmm. around the homeless, around prostitutes and strippers. What she walked away with was this deep compassion and empathy for people who are far from God, and not just people far from God, but the marginalized in particular. Yeah, and so, and so much so that she. Well, that's her. That is her mission. So when she and Archie, before they took HTB, they had planted a church. That church planted many other churches. I mean, I think it was seven total. Mm-hmm. Um, but her ministry 
was to, and she eventually built a city center yeah. where people came to get meals. The, she has a group of women that would go into strip clubs and minister to women. If somebody from nights throughout the week that they met came on Sunday morning, immediately somebody was at the door of the church to meet this girl and have her sit with them. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I wanted you to sit with me. Like these, the people who are on the outskirts of society were ushered in as VIPs into the house of God. And I was so challenged and encouraged and inspired because I have such a heart that faith promise would be a place where everybody gets a seat at the table. No matter where you were throughout the week, you're allowed to be loved and you have permission to be at our table. You have permission to be here mm-hmm. and to and to meet with Jesus no matter what you did Monday through Saturday. You know, and so that our home, that our personal home would be that kind of place, but that also our church would be that kind of place and that the people who attend here would be so compassionate and merciful. And she's rallied an entire ministry. So now if they've transitioned back to their sending church, they're working on shifting that culture to be um, similar to what they had planted out um, when they were at the church that they started. Yeah, and I I think that, it really leads well, and I think it'll be, I know it'll be one of our kind of veins of discussion today, but, you know, they have 150 churches, and so uh, obviously scaling a ministry that's so unique and so compassionate and so welcoming and so gospel-centered, I mean, it's it's not easy, right? I mean, have, having a church... Well, and it can't be exactly the same everywhere because every community is different. Right, and so, and, and that's what Sam, who's who's Archie's wife that Rachel was referencing. You know, she talked a lot about social transformation and stuff like that. But really one of my biggest takeaways, not just for the organization as a church, but also for the individual lives of the people listening right now and and wanting to discover or walk in their purpose and winning their world is, you know, when we talked about, hey, how do you how do you really continue to multiply this culture of evangelism and life change and social transformation? You know, when he said that when people experience it, they experience such radical change and love in their life that where they go, they want to bring it. They want to replicate it. They want to see it happen. And so I know most people who are joining us for the podcast, maybe you're not planting churches and, and all that kind of stuff, but what kind of culture do you want to replicate in your spouse or your kids or your friends? And because there is a culture that we're all setting, there is a culture that we're all creating and making. The question is it on is it intentional? Is it on purpose or is it is it on accident? You mm-hmm. know, because I, I don't think an eternal culture ever happens on accident. You know, again that that Ephesians six, our battle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers and principalities in in heavenly places right now. And so I mean the flow of our culture is not just towards the eternal. Um, and so that was one of my biggest takeaways from our time with them is, you know, the this culture, um, if it could be replicated across the UK, which is a post-Christian nation, if that culture be replicated across at 150 churches across the nation, then we should be able to do it in our families, with our kids, with our friends. And you even referenced it with Sam's family that they didn't they didn't protect her from. God's kingdom coming. They actually invited her into it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'd be a great question 
you know, if we have our kids or our group or, or whatever it might be, and we talk about God and we talk about His kingdom coming, but we never practically go see it or even better go and bring it places, then I think we'll have a generation of people who come up and just don't think it's real, don't believe it, you know, which I think we're experiencing some of that with Gen Z and Gen Alpha where, you know. Well, and all the deconstructing millennials and Xers are doing, I mean, like was really out of this space where we say all of these things and we're wrestling with this, hey, there's all this stuff you say and I see in the Bible, but that's not what I see the church do. Or I didn't see it personally in my own home. And so I see some people doing that, but what what I was told was following Jesus, I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so there's this frustration because the the two don't line up. So for me, it was just very like challenging of just being like, hey, I don't do a good job of that. I do not do a good job of um, you know meeting the marginalized and creating space for them in my life. Yeah. And um, what what am I willing? And we talked last time about the gospel being the center. Am I willing to bend my knee to all the things that I want to make room for the kingdom of heaven, to keep the gospel at the center? Am I willing to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I I just want, like, I don't think that a lot of believers are because, I mean, at least in America, we like things neat and tidy and we want to be in control and... Um, we're un, we're uh, we're so afraid. I think we're just so afraid. Oh gosh, well, what's that going to do to my kids? Or I don't want them around those people or that group. Or what if mm. they teach them something? And I mean, we have. I mean, and this is in the church. This these are real things. Hey, I don't know. I was talking with someone. They said, Hey, I don't know that I would want my um, son to come to the student ministry because the the lifestyle that a lot of the students are living mm-hmm. and. I'm just so challenged, um, even more so, that, hey, like we can raise a generation of believers who know how to love people closer to Jesus, not all the way on their own, you know, as children, but we can equip them and I I don't have to shield them from everything. I was just very, um, very convicted over how, how concerned, how concerned am I about my kids being you know, raised up with a Christian worldview, um, what a difference it would be if they were just experiencing it all the time yeah. in our home, right. not not in just at the building, but like in our house, how personal is it for us? Yeah, no, it's, I think that's, that's great. And I mean, what what are we modeling? And we won't, we won't talk about parenting, but what are we modeling if, because they see, you know, if we make that differentiation or separation, you know, because mm-hmm. if we said, if you said something as intense as like, "Hey, we don't, we're not going to be around people who are different color than us," you're like, right. "Well, that's racist." Well, right. if you're like, "Hey, we're not going to be around people who believe differently than us," you'd be like, "Oh gosh, that's," you know, I hate to say it's worse, but it's worse. You know, I mean, people are gonna who who's going to go after them? But either way, I something else from that conversation that connects into this and actually builds on the last conversation because. Nikki and Peppa said this, but Sam and Archie said it as well. When they said that alpha or evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to the culture that they're building, which we're talking a lot about that in our homes, our churches, that purpose of one in the world, he said that evangelism or for them alpha is how they do it. They said that it is the OS, it's not an app. 
And so last time we talked about the gospel being the center. Well, and this is just a different way to say it. They said that, hey, the, the alpha evangelism, people being pursued that are far from God, that is the OS. That is what runs everything. It, got the gospel or evangelism or alpha is not an application that might connect with it. This is like this is the most important thing, and if something doesn't connect with it, then it's out. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I think that's huge. Like the where we're taking our kids, or where what, what what we're what we're talking to them about, the opportunities they get, things like that. What we're celebrating, you know, is the gospel. Is it an application? You know that we we hit sometimes, or is it the OS that everything is is built on and around? Um, you know, that love for God and love for his people that, that are far from him. So those are some of the things. And I, I want to hit a, the, that, the last meeting that we had as well that was so powerful. Um, and so that's, that's Archie and Sam. And again, that's just a fraction of, the, of them pouring into us. But another unreal opportunity we had was we got to sit down with a guy named N.T. Wright. Um, and so N.T. Wright if you never heard that name before, he's one of the probably the number one New Testament theologian in the world. Living, yes. Yeah. So if you want, honestly, if you wanted to go down a rabbit hole or a development of yourself, you Google or go on YouTube and NT Wright. He's he's written like seventy or eighty books. Now he is so smart. Um, it, it, we we read his book, Surprised by Hope on the resurrection and stuff like that. And it was it's it's very academic, it's very thick, but it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not it, it feels like a textbook in some ways, but I couldn't encourage you enough. Um, but you want to talk a little bit about why NT Wright is special to us and the Faith Promise specifically, and then we'll talk about some of our biggest takeaways. Yeah, as Zach and I were wrestling, I went through a season of really just wrestling with women in ministry. And uh, as Zach started, as we began our transition se- um, season, really the fall of 21, it had we were um, watching some videos of pastors because we're normal, that's what we watch. Um, and a video came up of uh, somebody that we respected and he was uh, just knows more than us. And um, he had said that women in leadership in the church were wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm listening to him unpack this and I'm just deeply grieved. I had never really considered the gravity of, because I'd always had this covering of leadership, what it meant for us to step into senior leadership and say, Hey, wherever, you know, we fit together, however we choose to lead or wherever God puts me, I I never want to lead anyone into sin. And I I want to honor the Lord above all else. And the video right after, so there was this one perspective and the video right after was N.T. Wright. And he has so much kindness. That first video was not like the the person talking, he wasn't kind. (laughs) Um, He wasn't compassionate. He wasn't, uh, but uh, Tom, you know, which is what he asked us to call him as Tom. And he, he was so kind so and nice, compassionate. Yeah. And he just said, Hey, here's, here's, here's what the Bible says. Here's, here's how, uh, here's what I see. And here's some resources. And so for me, at the beginning of that journey, I was, um, presented with two thoughts. Um, but, N.T. Wright's content was so helpful for me to start asking questions. And it wasn't a feelings-based. Neither of those men were speaking from feeling. 
They both highly valued the word of God and love the Lord and have served him faithfully for the majority of their lives. Um, and both of them respected and revered in, um, you know, Christian circles. And so it was interesting for me to see, um, for me, N.T. writes compassion and kindness in how he communicated above all else. Uh, but then to challenge also and offer an opportunity to say, hey, wait a minute, this may not be what we think it is. Yeah. And so to be with him for nine hours was wild. Um, so he's really special to us. But um, I would say my biggest takeaway from N.T. Wright was his knowledge of the word of God. Mm. And so I love, I love God's word. And I, you know, I'm going to do my Bible reading plan every year. And I, I try to do the New Testament once a month, but I was, I, I and I, I don't know if, if you ever do this, and I, I'm kind of in this weird space where this keeps on coming up, where we all have a, we all have a paradigm around things. So like, here, here's a good example. Like there was a season where I really felt like I was working out really hard. And then I got a new workout partner, uh, Mark Winterton, goes to the Ferry campus. He's amazing. But uh, I was young, and I've, I've, I was like, oh, I, I, I'm going to see if he's bigger than me. I'm going to see if I can work out with him. And there was a whole new, like, he changed my paradigm. Like, I, I can work so much harder. And then I started working out with a different guy who did more, like, cardio stuff. And I was like, and so you, you get in these circumstances or these atmospheres that change your paradigm. And so this was... Like I've had three or four or five experiences around the Word of God with other men and women where I like my paradigm was shifted. And mm -hmm. so like I felt like I was on a trajectory to know God's Word well, you know, and 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 memorize a lot of it. And but I in that room, and NT Wright is not like hyper charismatic, like he never raises his voice. He's always very I can't do an accent or I, I would, but it would it would are you about to try? I was going to, but I'm not yeah, going I don't think to. You I'm going to reserve it. All I had was herbs. <laughs> that was from earlier. Um, but uh, he, anyway. I was so impacted. Uh, just, uh, just a funny example is um, I asked him about a verse. I, I brought some questions for him. I asked him about a verse, and he gets his Bible out, and he starts looking at it to read the verse that I had a question about. And I, I realized it looks different. And I said, what, what, what is that? Uh, and it, it was a Greek New Testament. So he was reading Greek, um, which obviously Greek is the language that the New Testament was written in. So, you know, the word that I had a question about, he said the phrase in the Greek. And I don't know, I was just so challenged. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's just, there's so much more to the word, like that that's available through and, and available like and accessible. It's not just available like maybe someday I could have the opportunity, but just through Blue Letter Bible and through commentaries, like there's so much around the word. That was just my big takeaway. Like there's there's a ton of the word mm -hmm. that, uh, or there's so much more of the word that I need to pursue and just and just be um, you know strong with. So. Well, I think when one of the things that we we processed through, he kind of took us through the outline of his new text um, that he's working on right now. And he talked a little bit about it's basically in times um, understanding. And he was talking, we just kind of asked him, you had asked him, I think, like, what's one thing if as you've studied the word over your life, I mean, 50 years of um, scholarly study of God's word, of um, you know, the Pauline age. And he said, Hey, like believers are supposed to be bringing heaven to earth. 
And there's this idea that it's, it doesn't matter what you do right now. And, you know, you're just going to go somewhere else and it's all going to be new and better. And so just kind of hold on until you get there. He said, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is not a book about holding on until you die. So you get to do something better, be a part of something better. He said, the the Bible is teaching us what God is going to do right now, Mm -hmm. that he's filled you with the spirit to bring heaven to earth. And I was so challenged, especially coupled with being with Nikki and, and with Sam, like, hey, where am where am I bringing heaven to earth? Mm-hmm. Not just discipling people, which is great, on how to follow Jesus well, which I love to do, but where is it where I walk and things are different that we don't have to wait to experience being a new creation is right now. Like, uh, you're daily being transformed into Christ-likeness if you get to choose what you're filled with. Yeah. And we can experience right now the new earth and the new heaven if we choose to engage with God in it. And we get to be a part of bringing heaven to earth. It's not just this thing God is doing. Uh, he can do it totally outside of us, but he chooses to use us as his hands and feet. And I think when we talk about that, we're like, oh, well, I'm just going to be kind or whatever. But no, like we are designed to go into the dark places, bring the light, bring heaven with us and transform that space into the likeness of God and into a culture and a community that honors the way that God's set up life to exist. Yeah. And I I don't think that's just, that's not just N.T. Wright's opinion. No. When Jesus, when the Jesus disciples asked him to teach them how to pray in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, you know, one of the things he told them to pray is pray that my kingdom would come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And which this was a learning for us while we were there, kind of rapture theology, which maybe you don't know anything about that, but like pre-tribulation or post-tribulation, which the question all is like, when is Jesus going to get us? And all, all that kind of stuff, like get us, like as in take believers away. But I just thought it was really impactful that, you know, the church, historical church, didn't make a big deal about the rapture, like being taken up into heaven or something like that, really until the 19th century, um, you know, in like the, eight, I think it was, I was looking it up, it was like the 1830s or something like that. Before that, you know, whenever you read the New Testament, the New Testament was not read by the early church or even written where it was books or letters preparing you to go to a different place, but it was letters, it, it was books preparing the earth to look like God's kingdom. My mm-hmm. kingdom come, I will be done on earth as in heaven. And when God brings the new heaven and new earth at the end, like it's it's going to be here, It'll you be know? The finishing of the work. Um, and so I, I did think that was, that was really impactful. And just, it makes you think, um, and, and just, again, just to encourage you, this guy knows, <laughs> he knows the New and there's Testament. A lot of, and there's a lot of, I mean, like you can fall into a hole and read and you're like, well, this guy says this and this person says this. And that's really not, that's beside the point. Like we're not going to have a, a, this academic debate about all this stuff. It's just simply to ask the question. It is without a doubt that you have been called to walk and live as Christ and to bring in that we are supposed to be experiencing God right now and that the community of the church is supposed to be like God and operating like God. And that is supposed to 
go beyond just the community of believers. It's supposed to move into communities and into cities and into nations that everyone would hear the name of Jesus and that they would be impacted by their needs being met and being loved and seen. And then, and you know, being introduced to the God of the universe. And I just am, I, I feel like sometimes we get so spun up and well, who's right and what's the exact right way to do it. And I think it's worth having the conversations. We get so stuck in that instead of saying, Hey, well, wait a minute, Holy spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you, what in my life is grieving you? And I was legitimately like still, and I'm still processing a lot of those thoughts and those feelings, but I am grieved. And I, and I, and I believe it's like from, from the Lord, like I'm grieved when I look at my life at how, at how little transformation there is in, in the city around me, mm-hmm. like personally. And so like not, you know, I'm put on anybody else, but just me personally, how obedient have I been to some of the leanings that in my younger years where I had more zeal and less, I was, there was less to lose, you know, there weren't kids and all the things. Yeah that I wanted to do or I was willing to step into that. Now I say, well, you know, the wise thing and the, Mm -hmm. and the cautious thing and the thing that makes the most sense rather than, Hey, the Lord said this. And so I don't know what it's going to look like, but he doesn't give you, he didn't give he's not giving me tomorrow manna today. He's giving me today's manna. And so I need to go and obey right now the first time instead of waiting years until I feel like I've got it together and I can figure it out. Yeah, and I I do think there's a lot of power to that. A lot of us think that if maybe if I knew the Bible better or, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I just knew more, then I could be more, I could be more impactful. But this is the guy who potentially knows more about the Bible, the New Testament, than anybody on the planet, you know, just, I mean, he just knows so much. And he is, he is saying, hey, spirit-filled believers. So not people who know more, which again, knowing the Bible is great. And I just told you how challenged I was to know it, but spirit-filled believers are the ones who are most apt to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so I want to encourage you if you feel like, hey, I'm just waiting until I know more. Mm. Well, the guy who knows the most out of anybody we've ever talked to was like, hey, the most important thing is you being spirit-filled and you being action-oriented. You know, you're going you're gonna to know more. You're going to learn more. You're going to walk into more as you take more action. But if you are waiting for something else before you take action, you're probably never going to take action. And I, I, that was just really from somebody who has been so successful in the, in the uh, academics uh, for him to say, hey, the academics matter. You should know your word and all that kind of stuff. But none of that is, is primary. What's primary is being filled with the Spirit and being obedient and, and bringing the kingdom of heaven to wherever you're at. You yeah. know, the school you go to, the work, your home, uh, where you work, all those things. Yeah. It was really, it was just super challenging for us. So we hope today that this has been encouraging and challenging for you. Where are you seeing heaven, God's way of living and existing happen around you? And are you willing to let go of some of the things that 
you love and maybe, uh, you know, dare I say, idolize some things that have been placed on a pedestal in your life that are, have been, you've been unwilling to sacrifice Mm -hmm. uh, for the kingdom of heaven to come near. And so we just want to challenge you as you go out and win your world that you're somebody who's looks when Jesus looks at you and says, am I enough for you? And are you willing to lay this down that I can come and be present? You know, that you would be someone who says, yes. And we want to do that. We want to be somebody who honors God and obeys the first time and is willing to go wherever the Spirit leads. So we love you, and we hope that today you make a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and you would follow wherever He leads. 